Amen. We have a Savior, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. An awesome thought. Let's uh, bow in prayer before we open the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you today and we uh, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the story of the birth of Christ. We thank you for your word that has the power of life. And Lord, we come before you and we humbly bow before you and ask you to teach us from your word. Lord, we ask that your spirit would speak to us afresh and that our hearts would be challenged and we would offer ourselves as living sacrifices back to you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On Christmas, a, a grandmother couldn't decide what gift to give for her kids, for her grandkids. And uh, she's scratching her head and she's like, ah, oh, these kids, they want electronic toys. I don't know what to get them these days. I know what I'll do. I'll just write a check for 50 bucks, put it in an envelope. And so that's what she did. You know, she got the card already and she wrote on there, you know, uh, just get your own gift, dear. And, uh, the, and sent the cards out and... Uh, and about a week later, she was looking through a bunch of papers, and wouldn't you know it, she discovered three checks for $50 still sitting there. <laughs> the, the envelopes had gone with the cards, but not the checks. So guess what the, the grandkids got? The card that says, get your own gift. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Well, I have to admit, I did get my own gift this year. One of them, a few of them, actually. <laughs> uh, but there was this other lady. She was uh, busy shopping out, you know, on Christmas, the weekend before Christmas, getting all her gifts. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I got to get cards for all my friends. And so she grabbed this box of 50 cards. She looked on the front. She said, oh, that's, that's perfect, perfect, beautiful uh, picture. And, uh, you know, opened it up. Merry Christmas. Yeah, perfect. And uh, so she got home. She quickly scribbled out about 40 of them. She just wrote on them uh, with all my love and signed them to her friends and then and mailed them all off. And wouldn't you know it, a week later, she went and she had a look at the card. And this is what it said inside. Do we have the slides? This Christmas card is just to say a little gift is on its way. <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> oh, no. Now what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Forgot to read the fine print. <laughs> but you know what? You know, when we think of Christmas, we often think that there's a little gift along uh, on the way. And you know, maybe there's, uh, there, we think of the little Christmas child as God's little gift to us. But I wanna, I'm here to say that that little Christmas gift is no little gift. That is one monstrous gift that God gave us. And that's what I wanna share with you today. Uh, I wanna talk about the gift of Christmas, the great gift that God gave us. Uh, 2,000 years ago for Christmas. I think it's a real testimony to the greatness of the gift that was given that 2,000 years ago that the greatest outpouring of the whole year of generosity happens on Christmas Day. I mean, people just are giving away, giving, 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 giving. They love to give. I mean, you should see the, what, what I woke up to this morning under our tree. Well, actually, this was last night. Do we have this? Uh, Here's our tree. 
all this stuff. I mean, goodness gracious, we, we have enough stuff in our house. And all this stuff was added. So now it's all littered all over our, our living room floor. And as if this wasn't enough, we have all these stockings just jam-packed full of stuff. I mean, people in our family love to give to one another. And it's a great opportunity to give. Um, and, you know, the crazy part is, is as if we weren't spoiled enough. Now, after the service, we're going to head down to Kingston. And I have a pretty good suspicion that our mother, my mother-in-law is going to spoil us all once again. And we get more gifts coming. And she just loves to be generous. She's a very generous woman. Uh, people today say that Christmas is commercialized. You know, there's just, it's all about the, the gifts and stuff. You know what? It's not all about the gifts. It's about the greatest gifts. And gift giving has been part of that tradition. It's not necessarily an evil thing. People love to be generous towards one another. And I love the fact that this church is generous to people all around the world. And that people here love to give things away. Uh, you know, right now in Egypt, Abdel is giving cows away. You know, here's a cow that was given away by Abdel about five years ago uh, to this little family living in this, this house without a roof. This is their house, actually. And that's not the cattle stall. This is their house. And I was there, and, and, and this is what we love to do. And I love the fact that thousands and tens of thousands of dollars are given by this church to help poor people around the world in many different ways. I love the fact that when Rideau High School calls us and says, hey, uh, we don't have clothes for Syrian refugees that have come to Canada. They don't have winter coats. They don't have winter boots. And this is what happens. People give all this stuff. I, <laughs> I went there, and... Uh, I, I, don't, I brought all these bags and bags and bags of, of coats. And the next day after this, this is what was left. The next day, this was supervised giving. The teachers would go in there with the kid and say, okay, you can take two things. And they would take these things. And all of the stuff disappeared almost instantly. And then we, we loaded up the rack again, and it all disappeared again. And now we're still working on loading it up a third time. And people have been giving, and, and, and we have people assigned to take, take kids shopping for boots. I mean, I love the fact that Christians are generous people because, why? Because of the gift that they were given. And we feel like, hey, I've been given so much in Jesus Christ that I, I just love to give. Um, Christmas is all about giving. Think of the most popular uh, scripture in the whole world. Does anyone know what it is? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that what? He gave his, only, his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Christmas story is a story of God giving to us. God is the first giver. And he's a radical giver. And I want to just show you a little clip about a radical giver. This is our, uh, uh, the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance the in Canada. My grandson Jordan, who's seven years old. And we walk by two scenes that are very common in our malls around Christmas time. On one side was the Santa Claus display with all of the lights and the laughter and the joy and the music and the elves. And on the other side was the Salvation Army kettle. An elderly gentleman stood beside it with a, a nice, pleasant smile, uh, ringing the, the, the little bells. And as we walked by, Jordan looked at me and said, Grandpa, I really want to do that. And immediately I thought he wanted to go visit Santa Claus. And so we turned around, and as we were walking towards Santa Claus, he said, Oh, no, Grandpa, I don't want to do that. 
I want to do this. And he pointed towards the Salvation Army kettle. We stood in front of the kettle and Jordan pulled out his wallet where he holds all of his treasures and all of the money that he had gained over the last several months. And he pulled out a dime and he put it inside the kettle. And I smiled very proudly as grandpa and said, way to go, Jordan. And he said, oh no, grandpa, I want to give all of it. We stood there for five minutes as he pulled out every coin that had been wedged inside this wallet and proudly put it inside the kettle. Something changed in grandpa that day. I was humbled by the expression of radical generosity. Love that story. Radical generosity. When you go Christmas shopping, do you go with that idea of radical generosity? Yeah? Pardon me? Radical means uh, uh, spectacular, crazy, crazy good, okay? Yes, we have children in our midst today, so you're allowed to ask your questions. Radical means crazy good, okay? Uh, so radical generosity means just loving to give uh, crazy good stuff to other people. And that's what this kid did, and that's changed our, our president's heart. And you know, I, when I go Christmas shopping, I don't always have the idea of I want to be radical, ge- radically generous, you know? Um, but I've learned over the years how to give Christmas gifts for my wife. So today I'm going to give you some shopping tips. I know that's kind of over <laughs> for Christmas, but guess what, guys? Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. So listen up. Here's some tips on buying a gift for your loved one. Because, um, you know, I found out pretty, pretty quick when I got married. My first gift to my wife after we got married, it was a really awesome coat rack. And she kind of looked at it and went, oh, Thanks. And I was like, oh, I missed on that one, didn't I? <laughs> I thought, you know, there's a special gift for our new home. I'm going to, you know, it's really practical. And, you know, at Christmas time, I gave her another really practical gift, much nicer gift. It was a guitar. But it still, it still kind of missed the mark. And she actually had to inform me what the mark was because I had no idea. <laughs> I was completely clueless. And she said, it's got to be personal. Oh, personal. Not practical? Personal. Oh, okay. So, so, guys, when you buy a gift for your wife or for anyone, really, personal is what really counts. And something that maybe they can wear or something that means something to them. And so um, I have learned that this is one of the most important parts uh, when you go shopping. And I want to say... Um, that the gift of Jesus Christ to us was a personal gift from our Heavenly Father. And it was personal because God gave it to each of us individually. It's one of the greatest gifts we can receive. John calls Jesus the Good Shepherd. And he says, The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Has Jesus called you by name? I believe he has. And he's calling you out and saying, come out of the world. I want to fellowship with you. In another place, Jesus says that he stands at the door and knocks. 
And anyone who opens the door, he will come in and have lunch with him. He'll have a meal with you. And Jesus is all about being personal with us. He doesn't want us to do all kinds of rituals, come to church, get baptized, do communion, uh, do this, do that. No, that's not that interesting to him. What's interesting to Jesus is does he have your heart? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Do you talk with him? Do you love opening the word of God and reading and hearing his voice speaking to you today? That's what Jesus wants. He wants a personal relationship with you. So the, the, the fact that Jesus came to earth and became a baby is personal. You know, have you ever put your finger into a baby's crib and, and grabbed their, their hand? What do they do? They just kind of latch on and grab on. And I want you to think of Jesus reaching out to you and just grabbing on. And you might think he's a cute little baby in a, on the hay. But really, he's the Lord of the universe. And he's kind of both. You know, God is so big that he didn't need to get bigger in order for us to understand him. He decided to get smaller and become like us. And so he decided not just to make it personal by his spirit, but he decided to make it personal by becoming one of us. And he lived among us personally. And he walked the streets with the people of his time. And he lived a life eating the food that those people ate, drinking the water that those people drank. He, he came to be one of us. And you know, for a long time, I didn't understand what that meant. But one day, when I was afraid of going to hell, I asked my mom, like, how can I be sure that I'm saved? And that day, I discovered that the verse that we, I quoted a minute ago, John 3, 16, wasn't just for the world. God so loved the world. I realized that God so loved me, that he gave his only begotten son, that I, if I believed in him, I would receive eternal life. And it became very personal for me to have that relationship with God Almighty. You know, sometimes we don't understand the love of God, how much he loves us, how much he wants that relationship with us. Jesus Christ came to give us that relationship. You know, there once was a father who had just lost his wife, and his little daughter and him were, were on a, uh, a voyage. Uh, I believe they, they went on this trip to sort of uh, get away from it all and to be by themselves uh, while they grieved the loss of their mother and wife. And, uh, and the little girl, while they're standing on the deck, deck of the ship, the girl said, Daddy, does God love us as much as Mommy did? <laughs> First, the man didn't quite know how to answer that question. But he knew he couldn't sidestep the question. So pointing across the water to the distant horizon, he said, God love reaches further than you can see in that direction. And then the man looked up to the sky and he said, God's love is higher than the sky as well. And finally, he pointed down to the ocean. He reflected, it's deeper than the ocean as well. After hearing her father speak, the little girl responded, Oh, just think, Daddy. We're right here in the middle of all that love. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Sometimes it takes a kid, a child, to help us really understand what God's love is like. You know, 
we often hear at Christmas time that Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us. And sometimes we forget what that really means. It means a personal relationship with God, that he wants to talk to us. Have you ever felt like sometimes when you're talking with God or to God that he's not really paying attention or he doesn't seem to be there? Well, the Bible says that if we seek him with all our hearts, we will find him. And I find this to be true. When I seek him with all my heart, when I'm really looking for him, not just casually, really looking, he is always to be found. And he speaks to us. Jesus said that he came to, that we might have life and have it to the full. Well, so that's the most important thing when you're buying a gift, is make sure it's personal. But there's another thing when I buy a gift for Jennifer that's really important, and, and, and it is actually practical. It's important that it's, it's practical. You know, have, haven't you got some of those gifts that just don't make any sense at all? You know, like, like, you know, like about as much sense as a, a chocolate tea kettle, you know? Like, uh, that's not going to work too well. Or, or maybe giving a sombrero to an Eskimo, you know? Like, uh, yeah, not so practical, you know? Uh, and so we've all got these, these crazy gifts. Uh, I'm reminded of, of a woman who um, said to her husband, uh, she, she put a list on the fridge. Her husband said, well, let me know what you want for Christmas. And she said, okay, I'll make a list. I'll put it on the fridge. So later on, the husband had a look on the fridge. And there was a list. She kept it brilliantly simple. She said, something that will make me look slim and beautiful. Wow. wow. Christmas arrived and she was waiting for the thing. She's looking forward to opening a package with something gorgeously intimate inside. And what she got? An exercise bike. <laughs> Remember to be specific, ladies. We don't always get it. <laughs> practical. Oh, I don't know. Not that practical, you know. <laughs> so, uh, oh, great. Let's just turn that off. It's just a reminder, folks, to turn off your phones when you're in church. <laughs> Not available right now. <laughs> um, well, where was I? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe you're thinking... The little baby in a manger doesn't seem very practical, you know? Like, what's that all about? What's joy to the world? The Lord has come. Well, what's he doing? Well, the thing is, he lived a life. And really, his birth is the first step towards his death. His birth as a human. Humans die. And Jesus was setting out to die. And that was his purpose. You see... All of the world has been cursed with death. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You ever sinned? You know, the, re the reason I was afraid of going to hell because I, when I was a little kid was because I had taken some candy bars from my, my parents' store and hadn't paid for it. I was concerned because I sometimes was mean to my sister. And the Bible, and I knew that the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so I was concerned. I was like, you know, is that enough to tip me over the edge and send me to hell forever? I wasn't sure. What, what's, I'm not sure. How good do I have to be? I was a lot of concern in my, in my thoughts as a young child. But look, the verse doesn't end with the wages of sin is death. 
That's only half the verse. The rest of the verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our, our Lord. The free gift. There's a gift wrapped up that Christmas day for us, and it's the gift of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us to wash away our sins. The gift of eternal life. It can only be given to us if there is no sin in our life. The reason that is, because God is a God of a judgment. And he says, the soul that sins will die. The wages of sin is death. But if someone pays for that sin, God will have a relationship with us. And so God sent someone to die for our sins. You know, before Christmas, you know, I noticed... Jennifer, before one of our, our meals at our church, at our house, we had a few meals at our house for, to celebrate Christmas. Jennifer was busy for days beforehand, cleaning up the house, just getting everything perfect, you know, making us sure all of her men, uh, you know, especially this one, kept his boots off and didn't track mud all through the house and uh, that kind of thing, you know. So she was busy keeping it clean and trying to tidy up. And you know what? Christmas is about... Christ cleansing us from sin, about washing us, cleansing us, making us pure. Jesus is concerned about what's going on in the inside. Next week, we're going to watch a whole bunch of people go over to this tank here and get washed. <laughs> not, not of bodily dirt. They're going to get washed of their sins. Well, it's actually they're giving the symbol of washing of sins. Water can't wash away sins. But they're going to get baptized. And the Bible says that baptism is like a sign of being washed from our sins. You see, Jesus Christ came to wash our sins from our life. The Bible says he saved us through the washing of rebirth, the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one. When we believe in Jesus, he comes and he washes away all the evil and makes us absolutely pure. And then... Uh, there's another verse. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins. Of course, we know that water can't wash away sins. We understand it's the Holy Spirit by the blood of Christ washing away our sins and making us whole. It's practical by its very nature, this gift of Jesus Christ. The fact that it washes away sins is so practical. It's like a bar of soap, a lot better than the, the body shop soap. <laughs> it actually washes us completely clean. You know, some people think that the way to get on God's good side is by uh, working really hard to be a good person. And you know what? Jesus, the Bible says that all our sins are as filthy rags to God. It doesn't matter how good you try to be. It's not good enough. And so some people try to save themselves. It's like a, a drowning person, you know, trying to save himself. It's out there in the sea, struggling like crazy, trying to stay afloat. They can't swim, but they're working on it as hard as they possibly can, thrashing and smashing about. And what do you do when you save, try to save a person like that? You don't do anything. You let them tire out and go under. And when they're completely tired out, that's when you can rescue them when they realize they can't make it on their own. And you know what, friends? Unless you realize that you cannot become perfect and whole before God, God will never be pleased with the good works you do. Unless you understand that first and give up, God can't rescue you. You need to give up trying to get God's attention and be good before him, and then he will rescue you, 
And if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will rescue you and save you from God's wrath. What an awesome thing. And so it's very practical that Jesus came because the gift gives us eternal life as well. We need a savior. You know, one time I read about this, uh, this guy who had ordered a treehouse, and a big package came, and he opened it up, and he started to lay all the parts out, and he got a little confused as he was laying out the parts. But then he went and got the instruction manual, and yes, for sure, it was an instruction manual for a treehouse. But the more he tried to make heads or tail of it, the more he realized that the parts he got in the big box seemed to be for a boat. <laughs> And so he wrote this angry, angry email to the manufacturer and said, you know, I got all the right instructions for my treehouse, but I sure don't have a treehouse. It's more like a boat. And uh, the uh, manufacturer sent back the reply. We are truly sorry for the error and the inconvenience. However, it might cheer you up to remember that somewhere there's a man out on a lake trying to sail your treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we need not only the right instructions, which is the Bible, we need the right Savior. We cannot save ourselves. And saving ourselves is paramount to trying to, you know, build a watertight treehouse. It just doesn't work. Pastor said to his three-year-old son, if you disobey, you're going to have to live with the consequences. And the little kid quickly went off and obeyed right away, instantly. And the mother said, Whoa, that was quick. What, what was it with that, Johnny? And the little kid says, Oh, I don't want to live with the consequences. I want to live with you and Daddy. <laughs> yeah, some of you are still getting that. <laughs> you know what? We have to live with the consequences of our sin. It means separation from God. Unless we are obedient to the call to receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's crucial that uh, we receive the gift of eternal life. You know, uh, Phillips Brook wrote this song, A Little Town of Bethlehem, back in 1867. In that, in that song, he writes, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in and be born in us today. You know, Jesus says that he came to be born again in people. That's the practical side of Christianity. And so I, I'm going to, right in the middle of this message, I'm going to just say, if you've never done that, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be born again in your heart, the Spirit of God to come, why don't we do that right now? And I'm just going to lead us through a prayer that you can pray. And, you know, it's funny. I, I do this periodically. I, I pray a prayer. And I'm surprised how many people come to me afterwards and say, you know, I prayed that prayer. And so don't be afraid to pray this prayer in your heart, to ask, to ask Jesus to take away the consequences of your sin and to ask him to come and reign in your life and offer your life to him. So let's just pray. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And that you came to wash away my sin. I ask, Lord, that you would do that by the blood, by your, by the blood of Jesus, who is, which was shed on the cross. I ask that you would wash away my sin. And Lord, I give my life to you to live for you. I ask that your Holy Spirit would come in 
to my life and make me new, that I can have a relationship with you, a personal relationship with you that will last forever. For I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So you know, this leads us right into the next part of uh, what kind of gift to give your spouse. A permanent gift is way better than the non-permanent gifts. I mean, chocolates are nice, don't get me wrong, and Jennifer likes them. And flowers are lovely, she likes those too. But diamonds are forever, right dear? <laughs> oh dear, did I ever dig myself a hole there? <laughs> yeah, there are certain things that last, and some things don't. And so the perfect gift is not only personal and not only practical, but it also lasts for a long time to remind each other of our love. And you know what? Uh, God gave us a gift at, at Christmas to last us eternity. Jesus Christ came so that we would spend eternity with the Father. Jesus said, I assure you, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They have it. It's already started. That's the joy of the Christian life, to know that our eternal life has already started. Jesus says, if you believe in me, even though you die, yet shall he live. And we will be raised with Christ. It's an awesome thing. God's gift is personal. He gave us his son. It's practical. It cleanses us from sin. And it's permanent. It never fails. It goes on forever. And finally, a gift that is appreciated is a costly gift. Now, I don't mean expensive, necessarily. Probably the most costly gift I gave to Jennifer this Christmas, that was only 11 bucks for the frame. But it cost me hours and hours and hours to make it. You'll have to ask her what it was. But, but that's kind of, it was, the cost was in the effort not in the finances. In fact, one of the most cherished gifts I ever gave her, it's actually the first gift I ever gave her, it was only $14.95. But she cherished it, why? Because I only had $16 <laughs> to my name. <laughs> and I spent that last 16 bucks on her. And she appreciates it. She still has the little tiny gold pendant. Doesn't look like much, but it cost me something. And it was dear to her. She's also wearing on her finger right now my doom buggy. Yeah, doom buggy's worth about $1,000. Engagement ring, about $1,000. I think it was a good deal, hey? It's an awesome gift, but it cost me something. And once in a while, I remind her, you know, that cost me something. You know? <laughs> Probably not the best thing to say. But you know, a gift that is to be appreciated often has to cost something. And sometimes it's in knowing the cost that we really understand the love which gave the gift. You know, um, there was a plague raging through Israel and God told David that if he 
if he offered a sacrifice at a certain place where the plague was coming, if he offered a sacrifice, God would stop the plague. The prophet told David that. So David runs over to this place. He finds a a farmer there with some oxen and and all all kinds of stuff. And he says, oh, can I I use your your, uh, oxen for the offering that I need to make to stop this plague? And the man says, sure, you can have them. And and David says, oh, yeah, I'm going to pay for them. And he starts pulling out the silver bags that he was going to use to pay for the the oxen and the man says no 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 they're yours my lord the king absolutely yeah i cannot charge you for them please take them please offer them to god and the king says i cannot offer to god something that costs me nothing and he insisted on paying for it and i believe that's a that's like a like a a, a universal truth a gift has to cost something in order for it to be meaningful. And sometimes the great cost of the gift is trudging around in a mall for hour after hour to find the perfect gift. You know, that's the great cost sometimes. But a lot of times it's, it's part of the gift. I remember the story of, of a young boy sitting in a class and the teacher was telling the story about, about uh, a Jesus. And the teacher said, Jesus taught us that giving gifts is an expression of our love and friendship for him and for each other. And the boy thought about that for a minute. And next thing you know, he went for a walk. And he walked for a day and then came back the next day. So he missed the classes at school. And the, and the teacher was, was concerned. And, and when he came back to school, she said, where were you, Johnny? Where have you been? Oh, I've been getting the, you this gift. And he, he produced this beautiful um, shell from the sea, just a gorgeous shell. And the teacher was like, you know, whoa, where did you get that? And he mentioned the bay where he found the, sh- the shells, the only bay uh, in the area that had this kind of shell. And she's like, but that's like 30 miles away. And he, he says, and, he, and she said, did you walk? And he says, yep. And he says, what? You shouldn't have walked all the way over there for just to get me a gift. And he says, long walk, part of gift. (laughs) Amen. It costs something. Long walk, part of gift. I love that. You've probably heard the the story of the gift of the Magi. Um, It's it's a Christmas story. It's about Jim and Della. Jim has this beautiful gold watch that keeps perfect time. It's a pocket watch. This is a long time ago. And Della has amazing, beautiful hair. Well, they both think of, they they have no money at all. And they're both trying to scratch their head. What can I get for my my, uh, spouse, something beautiful? And they both think, well, the most treasured thing. And and Jim thinks the most treasured thing is her hair. I know what I'll get her. And he goes out and he buys some things for her hair, some combs and some uh, brooches and stuff, beautiful things for her hair, because her hair is really long. And Della thinks, what am I going to get for Jim? Something that he lets, oh, his watch. I'll get him a gold, a gold uh, chain for his watch. So when he pulls it out, you know, I'll have this beautiful chain hanging from it. And so she decides that she's going to get this chain. Well, they don't have any money. So Jim sells his watch. And Della cuts off her hair to the... Uh, wig makers and sells her hair for the wig makers and of course Jim comes home bearing this beautiful brooches and combs and all this stuff he walks in the door and she's like 
where's your hair? <laughs> and she's like, well, I, I just wanted to get you a gift, you know, and she produces this chain for his watch, both completely useless now. But it was the greatest gift they could give each other, isn't it? They sacrifice themselves. And it's in the cost of the gift. But sometimes we see the value. And there's many illustrations I could use. I could go on and on and on about how important the cost of the gift is. So I want to share with you my own experience that happened to me uh, three or four weeks, four weeks ago about the cost of Christmas. It happened to me at prayer retreat. Very similar, there seems to be a theme going on here, eh, Jacques? <laughs> but at prayer retreat, the very first question they asked is, they all, they, we got in this big room, we all got together, and the first question that the leader asked us was, what is hindering you from worshiping God? And I, you know, everything, everybody got quiet, the room got quiet, and I started thinking about what was hindering me from worshiping God. And while I was doing that, God did it to me again. He does this to me every once in a while. He asks for a reaffirmation of the greatest things in my life to give them to him. And you've all heard the story of, of me giving my sons and my wife to the Lord and how the Lord tested that within seconds of me doing that. And this time, God was challenging me to give my son's future to him. And in that challenge was, a, was he said that there's this possibility of the most horrid future for my son. <laughs> and as I thought about that and I and I and I contemplated that I responded like any father would I was upset I mean it seemed like some crazed inhumane request by God trust me even though this horrifying future could be your son's possibility <laughs> like I was freaking out. I was like, God, what are you trying to do here? It felt like he was playing on my love for my children versus my love for him and asking me to despise them for his sake. And finally, I just blurted out in my spirit, that's not fair. That's not fair, God. You can't ask me to do that. To ask me to trust you and dump a possible future like that on my son. That's not fair at all. I felt like God was terrorizing me. To have to agree to put my boys in God's hands, giving him permission to do anything awful with my boys, if that was his will, it seemed callously atrocious to me. And I just was like, this is completely unfair and unreasonable for you to ask this of me. And then God spoke in the quiet of my heart. And he said, yeah, I know what you mean. 
it wasn't fair to me either to give up my son for you. For a horrid future when I sent him to Bethlehem. It wasn't fair at all. And Hallison understood what it meant for God the Father to send his son. I always thought that Jesus got the raw end of the deal. You know, God's up there going, okay, son, head down there and die for those people. And I always thought that, that didn't seem right. How could a father do that? But you know, in my heart of hearts, I believe I would die for any of my sons. I like to think of myself as a tough guy, you know? <laughs> I don't know if it's true, come push, come to shove. But I think I would. If my son's life was at stake and I could save him by dying myself, I would do that. And I never realized what God went through to give the, son, the gift of his son to us until that moment. And suddenly I realized that he loves me more than dying himself. He loves me enough to let his son die for me. And for me, that would be the absolute worst thing I could possibly do, is let my son die for me when I could die for him. You know, we, my, Jennifer and I were at a movie just on Tuesday. Uh, it's cheaper that day. Anyways, <laughs> we were watching this movie, and the protagonist in the, in the movie said to the hero, he said, I found a way to make you suffer more than you've ever suffered before. Well, now the hero had been shot. He'd been, he'd been shot with arrows, shot with bullets, thrown off buildings, beaten to a pulp. He'd been, you know, tortured, everything you can imagine, right? Kind of like the modern movies do, kind of overkill it. <laughs> you know, everything's been happening to him. But the protagonist, the, the evil man, he said, you know, I found a way to, to hurt you more than I've ever before. And what, what, what did he do? He stole his daughter and he was torturing his daughter, the man's daughter. That's the worst thing you can do to anyone. The worst thing you can possibly do to me is torture my kids. That would just drive me absolutely insane. So when God sent his son to die for us, I imagine the Holy Trinity was in anguish the entire 30 years. And it may have been joy to the world, but it was not joy to God's heart to offer up his own child. And I never understood it the way I understood it that moment. And I'm telling you, it just, I just turned into a wreck. <laughs> and my whole attention got off of you know, what God was asking me to do and on what he'd done for me. And, um, and, I, and I actually had to flee the room <laughs> So, so people wouldn't hear me sobbing <laughs> in God's presence. And I totally get the line in the, in the, in the hymn, oh, oh, Silent Night, where it says, fall on your knees and worship the king. And I totally get what the wise men were doing when they fell on their knees and offered Jesus Christ those, those gifts 
And I believe today there is only one response to the gift of God. And that is to just say, thank you. I worship you. I fall on my knees and I glorify you. And I want to ask you a little question. Don't you think that it's worthy, that Christ is worthy of the respect of worship and honor and thanksgiving? And I make it my promise to the Lord, my New Year's resolution, as it were, to worship him, to honor him. And if it's not your habit to come to church, maybe you just come to church on Christmas. I want to challenge you to come to church every week for just that sole purpose of worshiping God. We don't call it a worship service for nothing. It's a time where we come into this place and we lift up our worship to God because it's the right thing to do. It's the right response for, towards his indescribable gift. Even uh, Bono from U2, in, in Vertigo, he says, your love is teaching me how to kneel. It's God's love that he calls us to worship. And I, I believe that when we totally understand what God went through to give us the gift of Christmas, that only then will we worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. Father, the sacrifice that you gave for us is incomprehensible. And as a father, I can't imagine you doing it. I don't know how. But Lord, I thank you for going through with it and sacrificing yourself, becoming like one of us, suffering and dying on a brutal cross, so frightening that you shed blood, drops of blood like tears. Lord, I can't even imagine it. But Lord, I can thank you. And I worship you today as my Lord and Savior with everything that's in me. And I offer the rest of my life to you to worship you. To worship you with my whole life. Not just Sunday morning, but everything I do, everything I say, every word that comes out of my mouth, every action I do, Lord, I offer them all to you as an act of worship for my King. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.